to Rogue Table Talks. This is episode number 32. Uh, this is Mike Sherman. I am joined by the uh, ever-present Jacob. It's good to be here. Jacob says it's good to be here. You heard that because he has a microphone. Unlike many times he speaks on this podcast and only chatter I hear him. Uh, we have Jacob mic'd up because Chad is not uh, with us this week. He didn't die, though. He did not die. He's still among us. Well, one of the two. He's still with us, but not among us. Um, it's his birthday this this uh, past week, and so uh, his wife surprised him with yeah. a birthday trip. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's nice. I mean, that's the story anyway. Right. It's a story. Uh, he's not here. Um, and so, yeah, sort of in an unplanned uh, way, we weren't, you know, we were probably planning on doing this together as much as we plan these, which is not a lot. Uh, but Jacob's going to uh, join uh, us and we're going to talk about joy. Uh, we are starting a Christmas series uh, through the month of December uh, that we're going to talk about joy. Uh, and, you know, Christmas is the season of joy. You've heard that, right, Jacob? I have. Yeah, I didn't make that up. I'm pretty sure I, I saw it somewhere. Um, and so I think today what we can do is really sort of what is joy and how is it different from happiness or pleasure? Um, and, you know, what does that have to do with Christmas? And uh, and we'll probably use the Luke 2 uh, sort of, uh, you know, nativity story, if you will. Uh, but I want to start with the Grinch. The Grinch who stole Christmas. Okay. You're familiar with that story, right? I am. Yes. Uh, and so what was his deal? Uh, he wanted to steal their Christmas joy. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a very small heart. Or he had a very small heart. Non-existent heart, yes. maybe even. Right. Three sizes too small or something like that yeah. for some number. Um, and so he... Uh, he went down to the to the town of Whoville, if I'm remembering correctly. Correct me if I'm I'm sure Jacob has, you know, he's more of a cinephile than maybe, but yeah. Or it's kind of a I'm, boomer story maybe. So maybe I know more about it than Jacob does. Yeah, and cinephile, but I'm not sure that I put the Grinch movies yeah, well, in hey, that watch ranking. I apologize. Time. I apologize. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh so he goes to Whoville, he steals their decorations, their presents, their food, thinking, you know, he steals the objects of their Christmas pleasure. Mm -hmm. And he is, uh, you know, he's, he, he's, he thinks he's robbed them of their joy. Uh, and then he hears the singing, the joy. He did not rob them of their joy. He did not steal Christmas from them. Christmas came anyway, you know, and then as the story goes, his heart grows three sizes to normal size. And he, rides the sleigh back down the mountain and, and everyone gets their decorations in there and he joins them and has dinner with them and so on. And it's a happy ending. Um, and so the deep and abiding lesson of the Grinch, uh, if you're following along, the deep moral lesson of the Grinch is still Christmas is the joy is something distinct from happiness or from pleasure. And I think that's a lesson we often miss. It's something deeper uh, something maybe more elusive, something that is harder to manufacture or manage. Uh, you know, he catches them by surprise. Um, 
you know, he thinks he's managed to make a Christmas with no joy, but it turns out he can't manage to do that. He can only take away some of the pleasures of it. Um, so therefore joy is not something that can be stolen. Um, people can, you know, interrupt our happiness. They can diminish, take away our pleasure, but joy is a different sort of thing. Uh, and so if we look at the, the Christmas story, we can talk about what is, what is joy. And so, okay. As you know, we don't prepare for these very much. Uh, Jacob probably wasn't even necessarily expecting to be mic'd up. So I'm going to put, I'm going to ask him a fairly unanswerable question just to get things kicked off. So what is joy? How would you describe what is, what would you say joy is? Hmm. Or it would, however you want to answer the question, what isn't it? Or how do you experience it? Or how would you answer that question? Yeah. I mean, especially even after what you've shared already, just kind of, kind of teasing like what joy is and that it can't be taken and that it's different than happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I can like just give it a word of, of description um, it's hard to describe. I, it's a little bit, I think, el- elusive because from experience, I know that you can somehow experience joy even in deep sadness sure. or yeah. sorrow. Right. right. Yeah. So it isn't necessarily, it's not the same thing as happiness. And sometimes they often go together, but sometimes they don't. Uh, so there's that sort of something to it. And there's also sort of the, it's like, what is beauty? You know, it's the same sort of question, really. Sure. What is love? It's, they're hard to answer because they're really big things. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the points that, I, that I'd like to visit and knock around is that these things are heavenly things. And that's one of the reasons we have trouble, one of the reasons they can't be stolen or manufactured, and one of the reasons we have trouble fully describing them because we only experience them now sort of imperfectly. Um, and let me just sort of, you know, push pause on that and, and that idea we'll come back to it. And I want to, uh, you know, get to the, uh, get to the seasonal part here, the the Christmas story. And I want to read the first part of Luke chapter two, which is the sort of the familiar birth story uh, that sometimes gets read uh, every Christmas. And so let me start Luke 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was an, the angel with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So you have this, uh, this, you know, familiar story, and I kind of want to maybe point out or point to or perhaps tease out there's sort of the two parts of the story maybe or two halves of this coin where in the first part, verses 1 through 7, there's sort of a uh, sort of an orderly, earthly story. There is a census. You know, the emperor wants to, Caesar wants to make sure he's getting all his taxes probably. And so, you know, everyone's got to go to their ancestral hometown uh, and register. And so Mary and Joseph, who are living in Nazareth in Galilee, Joseph's, you know, ancestral home. He was of the line of David. The city of David is Bethlehem. And so off they go. Um, you know, they don't control when that's going to happen. So, she, you know, she's very close to giving birth. And, uh, and so they go and it just kind of at one level, this thing happened, this thing happened, this thing happened. They get to Bethlehem. Hey, it was time, had the kid and there was no room in the end. So they, you know, they were, they were in this manger. Um, and so there's that and then, but there's also, and I'm sure there was some measure of happiness, perhaps maybe some measure of pleasure, but probably not a lot. It was probably a trip filled with hardship. You know, she's on a donkey. She's not much pregnant, the whole thing. Um, it's probably not a trip they necessarily planned to make or, you know, cared to make. It wasn't, you know, it, they weren't, it wasn't a, a family reunion necessarily. Um, and so there's this, this thing, but alongside of it, this isn't, you know, that's one way of describing the situation. This man and this betrothed wife having a, having a child have to go get registered, go back to, you know, hometown, baby's born. No room in the end has to be in this manger. Um, and yet another way of looking at the same story is this is the fulfillment of when joy comes to us, right? And we can see that even you can look at, you know, in Micah 5, in Matthew 2, that it's foretold that the Savior will be born in Bethlehem. Uh and that, you know, that's in Micah. And when Herod gets nervous about this king, the wise men show up, where's this king? And he asks the wise men and, you know, Bethlehem's where the king's supposed to be born. So it's this thing that we, and I think we see the surface and living in the surface, or Mary and Joseph and the baby and the trip and everything that goes along with their, their life. Uh, and yet along with that and a, a deeper sort of, truth is that, um, this is when joy himself, you know, the one who is joy, heavenly joy comes to us. And that's what we see made. So that's implicit in the first half of the story. It's made explicit to the shepherds. These angels show up, right? And I bring you tidings of good news of great joy. Uh, and there's this glory and this singing and, um, uh, you know, the good news there is, uh, uh, the, I think the word is, uh, evangelizomai or something like that in the, in the Greek, which is where we get of evangel, uh, evangelize, evangelical, that literally means the good news about Jesus. Um, 
that this was the Savior, this was the Christ, this was the Lord, he's born, he's come. And so the long foretold, whatever, uh, you know, the, the foretold one has come. And, and the shepherds out of nowhere, again, living their life at one level, uh, and they're, you know, this heavenly reality intersects with them, and there's this message of great joy. Uh, and so they don't necessarily, you know, maybe they don't feel happy. They're afraid, they're bewildered, they're in awe. Uh, and yet they then go see the baby and they go see, and you know, joy himself. And so I, I get this, this, this sense of there's a sort of two storylines happening. You know, like maybe you've watched a movie where there's one storyline that seems very ordinary and then simultaneously it cuts back and forth to another storyline that makes that adds all this meaning to the first storyline that maybe even the people aren't aware of right yeah and at some point those storylines intersect that seems like what we're seeing here in this passage yeah um and so i you know one of that one of the i to me one of the conclusions that I reach about joy though, is that joy comes to us, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, Jesus says, I tell you this thing so that you may have joy and your joy may be made full. Like he, you know, joy is a life that God wants for us. And he comes to us partly so that we will experience joy, which is found in him. Mm -hmm. And if that is true, like what do, like, where do we go wrong? when it comes to joy or what are the, there's probably lots of ways we go wrong, but where do we go wrong when it comes to joy? And, you know, what do we choose instead? Or what do we worry about instead? Or what do we chase after instead? That's sort of maybe one of the first things we should bounce around. And then maybe then what is it? How do we, how do we cultivate joy? And, you know, how do we think about joy? And, you know, and so that's where if you, if I asked you, Jacob, mm -hmm. I've got five pounds of joy and five pounds of happiness, five pounds of joy, five pounds of pleasure. What do you pick and why? Hmm. It's a good question. One is probably more, uh, quickly obtainable and the other probably takes time to, yeah, that's right. So that's part of the, that's part of the, that's part of the cal calculation. One is, uh, okay, I know what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I know what I'm getting with happiness or pleasure, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's a hit of adrenaline it's maybe. A hit of adrenaline. It's an experience. I know I'm going to whatever. I know I'm going to. This experience will bring happiness to me, whatever that is. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I do think that, you know, answering that question, it makes it easier to, we don't think of it as picking one over the other probably, no. but if we're chasing after happiness or chasing after pleasure, it might actually be one of the things that keeps us from joy. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, what I, how I interpret the culture that we're placed in, I feel like, you know, you choose the happiness or you choose the pleasure. Yeah because it will bring you joy. Like, or at least that's what it feels like, you know, I'm being sold. We hope, yeah. Um, right. The path to joy is by choosing happiness or pleasure. Right. Right. 
Yeah. 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 And so I think that is a cultural message. I think that's wrong. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it's maybe a little less linear than that, that I do think, you know, this is one of the points I'm going to re- return to is that joy is something that is of heaven. Joy is something that we only experience in part. Joy is something that is associated with with Christ, with that bigger story. He comes to us so that we would have joy. Apart from him, I don't think joy is really possible. That doesn't mean you necessarily have to be a Christ follower to have joy because in his common grace, he can give joy and beauty and truth to, to anybody. Um, you know, he causes rain to fall on the evil and the good, as Jesus says. So, But I do think there's a quality of joy that um, is, because it's sort of a heavenly thing, it's a little elusive and we don't quite, it's a reminder of something or a pointer to something um, that in a way leaves us longing for something. And the longing is actually, um, is actually the thing that's part of, you know, what we long for. We long for the longing for joy. We long for the longing for truth and for beauty. Um, You know, I think that, um, one of the, one of the things that helps me reflect on this is C.S. Lewis wrote his memoir or the closest thing he wrote to memoir, really his sort of how he became a Christian story. It's called surprised by joy. And he experienced joy. He wasn't a believer. He was an atheist. He experienced joy and he knew it was different from happiness or different from pleasure he was surprised by it. like it seemed to come out of nowhere and he couldn't explain it. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed to him to point to some deeper reality that he knew he was missing. Uh, and that was part of the, his journey to faith. Um, and one of the things he says in that book, surprised by joy is that it is joy is an unsatisfied desire, which is itself more desirable than any other satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sort of like, it is sort of like what we experience of beauty, truth, joy, love now, where we already truly get it, but we don't get its total fulfillment because mm-hmm. we're made for this heavenly version of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of part of the reason why... Um, we tend to maybe try to substitute or can, you know, it's easy to think joy, happiness, pleasure, all basically the same thing. Right. Uh, cause there's this sense of, Oh, I'm, I'm actually in this deeper story and joy is actually part of this deeper story. And one of the things that connects me to the deeper story along with beauty, along with truth, along with love. And, um, and I think that's something that, um, we don't, we don't like that. I don't think, mm-hmm. Because we want to be able to manage it. I mean, we want to be able to think if I do these things, if I have the right people over and the right decorations and I get the right presents and I give the right presents, sure, then I'll have joy. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think joy works that way. Yeah, that the, All of that stuff, you might get none of that stuff and have joy anyway. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think we don't manage it. There's um, another thing C.S. Lewis said in that that. Uh, in his book, he said, all joy reminds 
It is never a possession. It's always a desire for something longer ago or further away or still about to be. Hmm. And the sense that if that's the case, then, okay, so then, so then what do I do about joy then? Do I just, um, forget about it and hope it surprises me and falls on me like an anvil in the, in the cartoons? Uh, and I think, well, no, if it's part of this bigger story, then pursuing that story and pursuing the one who is the Lord of that story is the avenue to joy. I mean, one of the fruits of the spirit is joy along with love, you know, mm -hmm. peace, patience, kindness, that those, these things are things that, uh, are characteristic of this bigger, deeper story that if we pursue that story, we will like the shepherds were literally going to visit joy as he lay in the manger. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they felt joy or not, but that they were going to the font of it, the source of it, the, the wellspring of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know what we, I don't, like I said, I don't think we like that. I mean, what do you think of that idea that we don't manage joy? We can't produce it. There's no seven steps to having joy in your life. Like, what do you think of that? Yeah. Um, I've, it, it actually makes me think of, um, the Pixar movie inside out, mm -hmm. um, joy being a primary character. Um, and I, I've, I always feel like I'm finding new information through that movie. I'm probably dissecting it far too much. So there's a character called joy. So people yep. who haven't seen the movie. Yeah. So you're kind of inside this person and there's, what is there four or five, uh, five anger, disgust, sadness, joy, and fear and fear. Yeah. So there's basically five characters that are living inside this person who are, are the five, those five emotions in a sense, interacting yeah. inside and, themselves and yeah. so on. Um, and joy is one of the characters, right? One of the characters, the lead character really in the mind thinks that, you know, she is the primary character and that's what drives Riley. And if Riley experiences the other emotions of anger or sadness that, that, her entire world is going to come she crumbling down. Have, in other words, she can't have joy if she's having sadness. Right. Or, right. And spoiler alert, mm -hmm. as the movie progresses, joy comes to the realization that in order for, you know, the person that they, these emotions are in, Riley, mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. you know, young girl, young girl yeah. um, she needs to, for her to fully experience joy, she needs to experience sadness. Mm -hmm. She needs to experience those things. And I think we get to a point where like, we're so conditioned. I know uh, myself, I, you know, don't cry, mm -hmm. you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're a man, mm -hmm. whatever that right. stereotype right. was that mm -hmm. I believed growing up. And now I'm, you know, finding out, Oh, that was, that was mm -hmm. traumatic. That's mm -hmm. a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm actually able to experience life more fully mm -hmm. by feeling those emotions. And so feeling like true sadness and grief has actually brought me great joy. Now, joy through tears mm -hmm. But something that I honestly, I had not experienced for, mm -hmm. you know, the first, to my 
you know, to my recollection, mm-hmm. 30 plus years of my life. Yeah. So that's really interesting. That's a, that's a, it's an interesting point because I think, so one of the things that would say would be that, that goes to the, you can't manage it. You can't create it. You can't just, if I take away all the sad things in my life, I'll have joy. If I take right. all, all the people away who make me angry, I'll have joy. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just cause you know, not just cause the movie said so, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true that if joy, if, if the heavenly story is the most, most real one, mm-hmm. then anything that is artificial, pretend fake, deceptive, self-deceptive, uh, deliberately, you know, ignorant of what's true and painful, that probably also works against joy. And, you know, you can try to have distraction or pleasure to sort of anesthetize you against those things. And if that's the case, then you're cutting off the avenue to joy. You're choosing you know, you're choosing a pleasure instead of joy because the pl- you're choosing the pleasure so that you won't have bad feelings. Right. And so that's the elusive part about joy is you can have bad feelings mm-hmm. and joy at the same time. And in fact, if you're in a situation in which bad feelings are appropriate, you probably need to feel the bad feelings. Absolutely. In order to be able to to feel the joy, to experience the joy. Cause otherwise you're sort of telling yourself a lie. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. You're saying kind of like you're saying that the first part of Luke chapter two is the real part. And we went from here to here, we showed up at this city and that's really all that's happening here. And you know, the roads are bumpy and I don't have a comfortable saddle and there's no place in the inn, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no joy here. When in reality, they're carrying, she's carrying joy in his, in her womb. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think there's that some, that's not just a metaphor. It's a metaphor that actually, actually happened. Uh, but I think it's something that's a lesson for us that I just don't think, I just don't think we live in, we live in the world where we kind of want to think we can create the conditions to have happiness slash pleasure slash joy, all basically the same thing, yeah. but they're not. Yeah. And I would then say without the avenue to joy open, without being in a real place, happiness and pleasure are unsatisfactory Mm -hmm. because it's not what you really want. Actually, you really want joy. Um, I'm going to quote this book again one more time. Uh, at least one more time. This might be the last time. One of the things he says, Lewis, he says, joy is not a substitute for sex. Sex is very often a substitute for joy. I sometimes whether, wonder whether all pleasures are not substitutes for joy. And that, in that case, it's like, okay, pleasure's fine. Sex is good. But you can't be a substitute. And I think we, do, we, we seek pleasure as a substitute for joy, thinking if I have pleasure, then that's what I want. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. And what, do you, what else do you want? You want pleasurable experiences. Right. You know, uh, I want comfort. I want, you know, I want enough money. I want good food. I want, you know, what's wrong with all these things. And the problem isn't that anything's wrong with them. It's just, if we get confused and think that's what joy is, or that's the avenue to joy, and then it becomes a substitute what we do instead. And I don't, I feel like I used to, 
Are you stressed at Christmas uh, more than yeah. normal? Yeah. I think almost everybody is because partly there's this pressure to have these good experiences, right? There's this pressure to produce these good experiences, to have these good experiences, to whatever that is, you want to be able to look back and say, I mean, I probably have actually said it in this way, but that was successful Christmas. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right? right? Well, I was successful. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, so I checked all the boxes mm-hmm. or it was unsuccessful. Like so-and-so didn't like my present, you know, so-and-so wasn't able to be there, you know, whatever that might be. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the roast got burned, what, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever got in the way. And I think there's part of us that's drawn to that, but that's just not, it's not where we find joy. Yeah. I think all of those are instances where I think we feel like we can control it. Like we've, we got them as a gift. We expect them to enjoy it, but then the reaction is less than satisfactory. And you're like, oh, I thought I was providing right. something that yeah. would give, right. bring them happiness, right. that would bring them pleasure, right? which in turn give, gives me gives the me same, something. That's what the I same want. feeling. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of control, you know, instances within that, that sure. Yeah. And that you want, you know, that's the stress ahead of time is I just want to make sure that everyone has a good Christmas. I just want to make sure that we check all the boxes, that everybody gets what they want, Mm -hmm. that nobody feels overlooked, that, you know, we make everyone's favorite cookie or whatever it is, like whatever the expectations we place on ourselves and, you know, listen, all those things are great. I like different kinds of cookies and I like, you know, you know all that's fine. Uh, it's just when we do, when we pursue that primarily and forget about, okay, this is the story of joy. Mm-hmm. The one who is joy coming to his creation to, to die so that we can have a relationship with him. And so that our joy, as he said, would be made full. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's the point of this whole thing. Right. In other words, Christmas is more about Christ than about us, but that's not, as we've been talking about it, that's not how we look forward to it. That's not how we look back on it usually. Right. Right. You know, I got all these things I got to do and take care of and presents and, you know, get your Christmas list out and which party are we going away? All, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, fine. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not what it's about. Right. Yeah. I can't be happy till the tree is up, the decorations, the placemats and the place settings for the Christmas dinner. And like, yeah, right. It's right. all, and it's all this sort of, and I have to look around and like everyone else has more lights than I do. Should I get more lights? Uh, or whatever, or so-and-so sent me a card. Sheesh. I never even thought about sending them a card. Do I need to go get a card real quick? And yeah, well, and you get a, a little instance of maybe a little, like guilt, like, Oh, I didn't think of them. Like, oh yeah. Their sure. shame. Right. That you, it's yeah. just self shame. Right. But it's, it's there. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times people get to the first week of January and they're just sort of relieved the whole thing's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're just sort of relieved. We got through another Christmas and nobody died. Um, and so I guess that's the, uh, how do we, what do we do? How do we get away from that sort of narrative or storyline? Um, and I think one of the things that I think of is, um, you know, joy, it's a command, Re- you know, rejoice always, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, and so what does that mean? 
if I can't produce it or manage it, what does it mean for me to, what does that, what does that even mean? And then how do I practice it at Christmas? And I, I do think that a, a few things, you know, not a complete story come to mind. A few things come to mind. One is worship. Mm-hmm. You know, that rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Um, you know, these are um, often in the sense of you know, the Psalms, you know, ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name, you know, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Uh, let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nation, the Lord reigns. I think that's Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, that's First Chronicles 16, um, where acknowledging the source of joy, acknowledging the one who is, you know, brings us joy and is glorious, um, is part of what, you know, this part of what should, that's what rejoicing should look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that, in other words, a, a worship that is centered on him should be something that connects us with joy at some level, even if we're feeling weighed down or sad or stressed or whatever, like we can live in that dichotomy because we are connecting to the one who is joy. Yeah. Um, and I think, so that's one for me, one of the things to look back on first week of January, looking back on December is, did I worship? Yeah. Did I really worship? Mm-hmm. Um, did I lose myself in that worship? Um, and that worship is also a fruit of the spirit. Or I mean, I'm sorry, joy is also a fruit of the spirit. And so what, how do I cultivate the fruits of the spirit? I would spiritual disciplines, do I prayer, Bible reading, mm-hmm. um, so that things like love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness and gentleness. And, uh, these fruits of the spirits are manifest in me. And there's some sort of spiritual rhythm that I have to, and, you know, oddly enough, probably December is probably one of the worst months for spiritual rhythms in, in, in our lives. Cause we're busy. Yeah. Right. It's the end of the year, depending on what your profession is, that could be really busy. Certainly if you're in retail, it's super busy. Or if you're in a restaurant or lots of, you know, businesses and their books in December and their sales goals, but blah, 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 blah. Lots yeah. of stuff going on. Yeah. Obviously us here in the church, it's, it's a busy time. We have Christmas services. It's kind of important. It's kind of important. Um, and so in all of that, we can sort of lose the thread of worship, lose the thread of spiritual rhythm, a spiritual discipline. And so the very avenues to joy, we're sort of cutting ourselves off from. Meanwhile, we're frantically trying to have good experiences and pleasure and make everybody happy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's sometimes why I think people just, we don't enjoy the Christmas season because we're trying so hard to accomplish everything that we cut off the very avenue to joy. Yeah. Yeah. I've And in worship looking, you know, different and unique for every person. Um, like I know one of the things, even as you're talking, like, right, it's December, it's frantic, it's crazy. And like, there's also these, all the external factors and stuff that also kind of play into it. Right. It's also cold. We don't like it when it's cold and it's windy and it's blustery. And then I've learned that one of the ways that I connect with God on a completely different level than, you know, 
even Sunday service or anything is like in nature. And for whatever reason, being able to look up at the sky mm -hmm. day or night mm -hmm. does something to me that puts mm -hmm. me so much more at peace mm -hmm. and I feel so mm -hmm. connected yeah. so to the creator. Worship, right? Yeah. A, right. And right. I go through in my mind and I, I'm just like so thankful that I can look up and see mm -hmm. these beautiful clouds and these sunrises and sunsets and these strong, powerful thunderstorms come yeah. through, but yeah. how it's all held together, how clouds form like mm -hmm. the atmosphere mm -hmm. and that I'm a part of this yeah. And also, like, I love December and January. I love the cold months because I do love the sky. And mm -hmm. there is no better time than when it's cold. Mm -hmm. Cold, and clear, looking at Clear, the stars, and yeah. it's dry. It's not yeah. humid. And you look up, you can see so many stars. Even though there's so much light around mm -hmm. right. in the city, you can still look up and you can see just these beautiful things. And you don't see that during the day, but yeah. it's still spinning. Right. Like, it's... yeah. And so it just puts me in complete awe of mm -hmm. being, I look up mm -hmm. and I so can be So it's that awe. connection to that second story, yeah. that bigger story that reminds me that this isn't everything. Uh, and I do think that that's, I mean, I think there should be hope for people who, I think some people, people especially who struggle with depression throughout the year, often struggle with, mo with it most intensely. Mm-hmm. Uh, in December because of various reasons, you know, of course it's the least amount of sunlight and it's cold and all that stuff, but also, you know, it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to have all these experiences and you look around and you probably assume everybody else is, and I'm not, and, and the feeling these things and, you know, people can be in, you know, even the physical, so there's physical and psychological, emotional manifestations and triggers for depression that maybe become much more intense. Yeah. Uh, in December. And I think that hopefully there can be a lesson of hope in that you can be feeling all of that sadness and weight. And that actually can be the avenue to joy. Yeah. You can have joy in the midst of heaviness and loss and grief because December is often we miss you know, the first Christmas without this family member or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. That all of those things that am I connected to the bigger story and am I connected to the one who can bring joy in all sorts of circumstances mm -hmm. that hopefully there is some hope in joy can come because I, because it's unmanageable mm -hmm. because there's not a formula for it because if there was, I wouldn't be managing it well and I don't know the formula. Uh, but he can bring joy to me in this season or in any season. Uh, and I think, so there's the blessing of, you know, we want to manage things. We want to think we can manage things. And the downside of that is when it's clear, we're not managing them, we get really depressed. And maybe the, the, you know, one of the things we have to realize is this is not something we can manage mm -hmm. that we can pursue him who, who is the cause of joy. And sometimes we'll be surprised by joy and still feel really, you know, heavy, hard, uh, depression perhaps even. Yeah. So I think there is, it's, it's hard to talk about joy knowing there's people who struggle with depression, but I think it actually is more connected to reality to talk about joy than it is to try to just, you know, to say, Hey, be happy or just think happy thoughts. 
right? Where that's not real. That is exactly what they shouldn't be doing, right? Um, And so as we're getting, I think we're we're coming towards the end, one of the things too that uh, for us to be thinking about is, you know, we have, we see in this, in Luke 2, we see this intersection of the sort of the heavenly story and the earthly story. And, you know, Jesus comes to earth, God himself comes to earth and lives among us and dies and uh, returns to heaven. The Holy Spirit comes. We're in this age of the church and we look forward to the time because there's, if you look, there's a lot of passages that relate to joy, but they're all in the future when the bride will be joyfully joined to the groom that will have this joyful wedding celebration in heaven that our joy will finally be made complete that you know jesus comes that we might have joy and have it to completion well we won't have it to full fulfillment until that that is in our future mm-hmm. that whatever happens here and however bad it can feel here that as i'm if i'm connected to him who is joy true joy does await mm-hmm. not even the you know, the desire that is unfulfilled, that is, you know, as Lewis said, but it finally will be fulfilled. Right. Yeah. Far more deep, far more intense than, than anything that we can experience here that is in our future. And that should give us hope that as incompletely as we experience joy or is even frequently as we experience joy, permanent joy awaits us. And that should in fact, perhaps connect us to joy now that it's not hopeless that, yeah. you know, even if my life seems relatively devoid of joy, as I'm connected to him, true joy can await, eternal joy can await. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where, you know, people ask me what I think heaven is like, and well, it's going to be a place where you're going to have full and complete joy and, you know, be fully and completely loved and be able to fully and completely love others and to be full of hope and, 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 and all these things that we, you know, beauty will be experienced in its fullest that we, we don't really get any of those things to its fullest. Now you go out on a beautiful night and you see the stars and you see sort of the first few fruits yeah. of beauty, Yeah. but beauty in its fullness will come. And hopefully Christmas can be a reminder of it's a season of joy. It's a season when joy came to us and a season where we can pursue him. But in that is the promise of eternal joy. And that's the message, of course, of Christmas as accept the grace of Christ and receive at least eventually full eternal joy. Yeah. Uh, and it is the possession of that that can help bring joy now. That yeah, it isn't hopeless. Nothing's really hopeless here if I have Christ. I might not see how it's going to work out and it might feel really bad and the journey might be really hard, but joy awaits and it might surprise me along the way before I get there. Um, so that is like, we're going to be talking about the next few weeks is this idea of joy. Um, and so I would just encourage us to pursue these, try to carve out, be disciplined to carve out, uh, ways and roads in which we pursue the source of joy in December, which is, you know, not something we always do great anyway, but in December we probably do it, you know, worst of all. Uh, and so whatever that is, so maybe that's, uh, spending some time, uh, in prayer 
um, making sure you're focused for worship, maybe taking a long walk at night and looking at the stars, whatever that is for you, that be connected to joy, and then you'll have joy to offer to others. Um, and with that, we'll leave it there. We'll look forward to next week. I think Chad will be back. That's another joy that we have to look forward to, the joy that awaits us next week, the joy that awaits all of us when Chad is again on this Road Table Talks podcast number 33. Uh, until then, we'll see you then. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.